Our second reading is from the 10th chapter of John. I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd would die for the sheep. A hired hand who is neither shepherd nor owner of the sheep catches sight of the wolf coming and runs away, leaving the sheep to be scattered or snatched by the wolf. That's because the hired hand works only for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me in the same way God knows me and I know God. For these sheep I will lay down my life. I have other sheep that don't belong to this fold. I must lead them too and they will hear my voice. And then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why God loves me because I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes my life from me, I lay it down freely. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me begin by telling you all, uh, as a kid on the farm, uh, my brother and I went out to do chores every night after supper. And the first job we had to do, the first thing we did was to fetch the milk cows and bring them in from the pasture out behind the barn. So we would march out in rubber boots through either the mud or the dust, depending on the weather, uh, out into the short-cropped grass of the pasture, uh, speckled with longer pass, uh, patches of grass, marking where uh, thistles were uh, that were avoided by the cattle. We were young and easily distracted, but we would always know that we had dallied too long if we heard our father's voice calling from the feedlot through the gathering dusk, usually calling rather uh, insistently, <laughs> maybe impatiently. Then we knew he was about ready to start milking and we had wasted enough time and had better move the slower, stubborn cows along. And we had best move ourselves along too. You see, we knew dad's voice. We knew the different tones and inflections and their meaning. It was time to go in and get on with the rest of our chores. John chapter 10 that we read from today says that the sheep in Christ's fold listen to his voice. The sheep know and heed the voice of the shepherd. John recalls Christ's words to the disciples uh, where he tells him that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We hear uh, Christ tell the disciples that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him. They are united in purpose in obedience and love. We see God's love in action when we think of Christ dying on the cross, taking on our sins and leaving them behind, making reconciliation with God possible. Christ finds us and saves us, finds us where we are. I'll invite you to think about how you have witnessed God's love in action. Whether it was God showing love to you, or someone else modeling for you in their actions the love of the Good Shepherd. I want to think about that image of the Good Shepherd this morning. Uh, modeled after Israel's understanding of Yahweh as shepherd, guiding and leading them through, uh, through the wilderness, providing food and water, protecting them and, and constraining them at the same time. 
The late Tom Troger shares this about shepherding. He says, many years ago, a pastor at a workshop told me this story about preparing a sermon on Christ, the Good Shepherd. The pastor, who knew nothing about sheep or what it takes to shepherd them, had stumbled upon an article in the city newspaper about a, a, a modern-day shepherd who had opened a large sheep operation, and the farm was within driving distance of the city, so the pastor phoned the shepherd to ask if he could visit, have a conversation, learn a little something about what it is to be a shepherd. The shepherd was glad for the interest, welcomed the pastor, and drove him out into the expansive grasslands where the flocks were grazing, and explained to him the rigors and challenges of raising sheep. One of the most common frustrations, he said, was finding lost sheep. When a sheep wandered off, the shepherd got on his cell phone and alerted his fellow shepherds. Each of them drove a pickup truck around, or an ATV around a particular area uh, of the, the vast grasslands until the animal was found. Then it was thrown in the truck and returned to the flock. If, however, the same sheep wandered off a second time, it was not returned to the flock. Instead, that creature went straight to the slaughterhouse because, as the shepherd explained, it takes too many man hours and too much fuel to keep finding again and again an animal that consistently wanders away. The moral of the story, sheep beware, wander twice, and the shepherd slaughters you because it is the efficient thing to do. Yikes. Uh, I spent a month in northern Israel many years ago working and volunteering with Nazareth Village, a project that replicated a village of Jesus' childhood and recreated the lifestyle of uh, Jesus' day as nearly as possible on a hillside there in Jesus' childhood home. One of my tasks while there was to tend to the sheep and the goats that were part of the village. Uh, you see, these animals would wander the streets, adding a sense of life and authenticity to experience to the, the experience for religious uh, tourists and school children who would visit. Now, to say that I was a shepherd would be a little bit of a, a stretch of the imagination. What my task consisted of, uh, while the sheep were out during the day, my task was to take a fork and a shovel and clean out the sheepfold while the animals grazed on the hillside for the day. I tell you, it brought back for me many, many memories of Saturdays and Saturday chores back at home. You see, every Saturday was the day my brother and I would fork out a week's worth of calf manure from box stalls out in the barn. Yes, I suppose the shepherd would have performed many less than glamorous, less than romantic tasks of service as they watched over and cared for the sheep. What else does the shepherd do for the sheep? The shepherd carefully tends the sheep, lovingly provides for them, and jealously watches over them, protecting them and keeping the flock safe. The shepherd sets uh, boundaries for the sheep, steering them in a certain direction, not letting them wander away freely, but pointing and guiding them towards good grazing, away from cliff edges, uh, and dangerous terrain. God's law is a little like the shepherd's crook meant to herd the sheep, to protect against danger, 
to guard the sheep against wild animals, predators, and, and to guide us into fruitful life. How does the image sit with you, the one that I introduced to the children, the idea that we are all sheep of the flock? Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like to think of myself as a uh, dumb, passive animal. Isn't that what sheep are? Um, but then, uh, even if I get a little hot under the collar at this suggestion that we are kind of a helpless, domesticated animal that needs to be shown where good pasture lies, um, I think it's a humbling image but I don't know that it's that inaccurate <laughs> next to Christ. Uh, you know, maybe we are simple animals that don't know any better, can't take care of ourselves and can't be left on our own. If you look through history, human humanity has shown over and over time and again that left to our own devices, we do inevitably, dumbly, seem to get ourselves into a bind. Uh, prodded in right directions, we are prone to wander. Uh, think back, not that far in history, uh, think back to the midst of the COVID pandemic when I think vaccine hesitancy was a perfect example of the flock led to good pasture but behaving like stubborn animals. Yeah, remember, you all go ahead and be sheep. I'm gonna do me said the recalcitrant ones as they wandered off into uncharted territory. Now, true wisdom comes from our shepherd. When we have overgrazed an area and are left with only stubble and dry dirt, Christ shows us to new pastures, leads us by new waters. When we're prone to wander, the shepherd uses his crook to gently, we hope, nudge us back into line to keep us from getting lost to guide us towards safe grazing. And when we get separated from the safety of the fold, Christ seeks us out and finds us, leaving the other sheep safe, uh, drawn out by the concern for the lost sheep. When danger is near and wild animals are on the prowl, Christ is alert, ready to protect, to stand between us and danger. And when the thief tries to call, crawl into the fold, the good shepherd would rather lose his own life than lose one of the sheep. We need to uh, uh, listen for the shepherd's voice. Where do we as a congregation hear the shepherd calling us? How do we, uh, like Peter, hear Christ call us to feed his sheep? How does God speak to you? Uh, through scripture, in prayer, through the community of believers gathered here? How does God speak to us as a congregation? Uh, it seems to me at times like we are sitting at a crossroads, at a, a crucial turning point as a congregation. We long to be what Christ is calling us to be, but we also have some fear and some anxiety about the future. Maybe we as a congregation are entering into a, a season of discernment, a prayer, a time of, of careful listening and prayer, a time in which we listen in a particular way to hear the, the shepherd's voice calling us to new pastures, leading us by good waters. Can we enter this time assured by the promises that the Lord is in fact our shepherd, that Christ will watch over us and we will want for nothing as the psalmist says. It seems to me we can look forward to and expect that the Lord will restore our souls, that God will lead us in right paths for his name's sake. Uh, listen for it carefully 
Make ready so that when you hear Christ's voice, you can respond. Know that if you cannot hear Christ's calling, that it's only a matter of time. The shepherd who is willing to lay down his very life will not let uh, anything keep him from finding his sheep. He is calling, uh, are we listening? There are times in life, too, when we feel so lost that what we need is someone to come and find us and bring us home. Times of crisis when everything that seems secure and solid is suddenly shaken and we may feel lost in that moment for days, for weeks, for months, even years afterwards. Um, the pandemic that we have been through, and some would say are still in, has been that kind of destabilizing event. There are times in life we see, feel so lost that well, we need someone to come and find us and bring us home. And that lost feeling is uh, sublime. For some, it leads to despair. For others, a desperate me-first sort of attitude uh, if you'll recall, as folks hoarded toilet paper and other essentials in the early days of COVID, for so many others, the feeling of being lost together engendered a kind of solidarity. The song, uh, You Found Me, by the Denver pop rock band, The Fray, came out about, about 15 years ago. And the song came out of a time when Isaac Slade, the lead singer and songwriter of The Fray, a time when he was lost. And he says this about that time of his life. He said, I kept getting these phone calls from home, tragedy after tragedy. You know, the bad news that seems to follow bad news. Uh, and I wondered if there's some kind of person in charge of this planet. Are they sleeping? Are they smoking? Where are they? I just imagined running into God, standing on a street corner like Bruce Springsteen, smoking a, a cigarette, and I'd have it out with him. Uh, and if you, if you hear the song, the, the heartache and pain of life, the loss and the feeling of being lost is there in this song. But so is something else. In the words of the chorus over and over again, you found me, you found me, uh, repeated like a, a modern psalm. Uh, Denver, where the band is from, uh, is where the West was won, and first in Amistad is some street corner, any street corner there where God might be found. So if you don't know the song, uh, imagine, if you will, a single piano melody behind it. The song starts out, I found God at the corner of first in Amistad, where the West was all but one, all alone, smoking his last cigarette. I said, where have you been? He said, ask anything. And then in the song, the drums and the guitar join in with an angry backbeat as the song picks up this imaginary conversation. Where were you when everything was falling apart? All my days were spent by the telephone that never rang and all I needed was a call that never came to the corner of First and Amistad. And then the chorus, lost and insecure, you found me, you found me lying on the floor, surrounded, surrounded. Why'd you have to wait? Where were you? Where were you? Just a little late. You found me. You found me. Now this is a modern psalm. Calling out from the midst of life, from the hard stuff, from the fray. Like the psalmist, 
Or like Job, the song cries out, the early morning, the city breaks, and I've been calling for years and years and years, and you never left no messages, you never sent me no letters, you got some kind of nerve taking all I want. But then again, the chorus returns. Lost and insecure, you found me, you found me, lying on the floor, where were you, where were you? Just a little late, you found me, you found me. Why do you have to wait to find me, to find me? Curious fact about the fray. The band formed out of high school, out of Colorado's Faith Christian Academy, and Slade's first attempts at songwriting were all explicitly Christian, until, as he says, he had an epiphany while working at Starbucks. Uh, none of my friends outside the church understood any of my songs. We had a, different, a whole different set of vocabulary. So I went home and threw away those songs. He, uh, he adds, if I, had, if I had handed somebody a double grande moke latte and told him, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, they might just throw it back at me. If we grow up in the church, it's easy to think it's our Christian duty to preach to every single person because God is the most important thing. And he is, Slade said, but I'm a musician first. This is my job. And he likens his job to any other. If you're a painter, you paint. But you don't have to have Jesus in every picture. Paint well, and if you paint well enough, they might ask, why do you do that? And that that is your opening to talk about your experience of life and loss, of pain and grace, of faith and God. In another interview, Slade has said, uh, this song, You Found Me, is about the disappointment, the heartache, the letdown that comes with life. Sometimes you're let down, sometimes you're the one who has let someone else down. It gets hard to know who you can trust, who you can count on, he said, this song came out of a tough time, and I'm still right in the thick of it. There's some difficult circumstances my family and friends have been going through over the past year or so. It can be overwhelming. It wears on me. It demands so much of my faith to keep believing, to keep hoping in the unseen. Sometimes the tunnel has a light at the end, but usually it just looks black as night. This song is about that feeling and the hope that I still have buried deep in my chest. Maybe you've been lost and know what it feels like to be found. Maybe you've experienced the homecoming grace of being found and finding yourself in Christ, in relationship, in community. Maybe you've heard Christ say, oh, there you are. You are mine, and I've been looking for you. I will guard you and keep you and bring you home. You found me. Praise the Lord and celebrate. Treasure that joy. Guard it in your heart and remember it when days get, get tough. Or maybe you've never really felt like you were lost. Maybe you've always felt like you belonged, like you are safe and confident and loved. Maybe you're one of the sheep in the fold. Well, Praise the Lord and celebrate because you are safe. You are home. Praise the Lord and celebrate and do not resent the shepherds leaving to find other sheep. Uh, do not be offended by the energy expended to find others and bring them to safety too. Do not think that 
Uh, you need the same amount of energy or attention from the shepherd. Praise the Lord and celebrate. You are safe. Let the Lord go out and seek and save the lost. That is what he came for. Or maybe you do know what it feels like to be lost. Maybe you feel lost right now. And let's face it, most of us feel a little bit lost most of the time. Or maybe you've lost all your bearings and don't know where you are or where you're going. Maybe you're the playful lamb who has bounced and cavorted and gotten yourself into a situation you don't know how to get out of. Hmm. Maybe you stand on a precarious ledge or at the bottom of a steep ravine and you bleat and baa until someone finds you and shows you the way out. Or maybe you're the mature sheep, busily cropping grass, blithely following your appetites until you look up and realize you are alone and don't know the way back. Or maybe you stand there dumbly and silently, not even aware that you are lost. Take heart. The shepherd is looking for you. Uh, maybe it's an addiction or the pursuit of material gain that has taken you away. Maybe bad choices following more bad choices has brought you to this point where you feel lost and trapped. Or maybe you find yourself threatened by predators, illness and loss, circling so you don't know which way to turn. Loss of a job, loss of a loved one, loss of health, of meaning or purpose. The shepherd lays down his life for you. The shepherd will find you. I'll give Tom Troger the last word this morning. You remember his dreadful tale about the modern shepherd and the, the fateful end of the sheep prone to wander? Well, Tom Troger, breathing a huge sigh of relief, concludes, uh, the grace of the good shepherd is the exact opposite of that, of the efficient uh, modern-day shepherd. Uh, instead of the wandering sheep getting slaughtered, uh, the good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep. If Christ and the grace of the Christ were efficient, well, sadly, there is not a one of us who would survive. We get uh, one chance to, ref we would get then one chance to reform, and that would be that. If grace were efficient, it would not tolerate having to restore us again and again and again to the family of the beloved community. The sufficiency of grace, Troger says, lies in the amplitude of Christ's generosity towards us. A way of being that reveals efficiency is not the ultimate measure of all things. Thank God that grace inefficient is grace sufficient so that we can truly say now or one day, thank you, Lord, you found me, you found me. Thanks be to God. Amen.